0: Welcome to Blind Squirrel Macro, the pod. Squirrel here on the morning of Tuesday, the 5th of December, Melbourne time. And finally, some summer weather here at last. Um, Still not used to the Christmas trees in 30 degrees. I guess that's a process. Anyway, this podcast is our usual companion to the weekly newsletter, which you can find for free at blindsquirrelmacro.com. The letter contains graphics, charts and a multitude of links that I may refer to in this pod. Please try and take a look at this week's version in particular as I put together quite a few charts which will really help the understanding, particularly if you're new to options. The note also covers our portfolio update and our review of our Acorn trade ideas for our paid subscribers. I have still, sadly, not yet mastered audio editing software, and so I record this in a single take, um, so please forgive any stumbles or mumbles. But finally, before we start a usual message from Legal, everything in this podcast is for educational and hopefully entertainment purposes only, and is categorically not investment advice. Before making any investment decisions, for heaven's sakes, don't listen to a cartoon rodent. Talk to a financial advisor. Right. This week, we're going to talk about buying fire insurance on your equity portfolio in a piece that I'm calling Scooby-Doo and Vincent Vega Walk Into a Bar. First up, the bad news for listeners is that the squirrel's formal academic education contained a lot more ancient Greek than calculus. The good news, however, is I spent much of my life in banks in roles where I needed to explain how options work to irregular users of them. Reference to two of the squirrel's favourite fictional characters, Quentin Tarantino's Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction and cartoon dog Scooby-Doo, is entirely gratuitous, but at least it made me smile. You try making option Greeks funny. First, let's do some quick jog and busting around those two specific option Greeks, Roe and Vega. Well, Vega was the easy reference. Sco- the Scooby one is a bit more ex- obscure. Remember his trademark Roe? Anyway, sorry. Anyway, it's these two Greek words that drive the low cost of insurance that is available for your equity portfolio right now. Rho represents the change in price of an option from changes in underlying interest rates. In a rising interest rate environment, the value of call options rise and the value of put options fall. The same thing works in reverse when interest rates fall. Now, vega represents the change in the price of an option from changes in implied volatility. The higher higher level of implied volatility, the higher price of put option and call option. Right, science and Greek lesson over. Let's start with interest rates. I'm not going to add to the mountains of Fed speak commentary out there. Bottom line is that in the space of the last six weeks, the markets have priced an additional three rate cuts from the Fed between now and early 2025. But before you think that go, go around thinking that the markets are infallible, just a quick reminder that money market futures have in the past seldom correctly forecasted the actual, fu- the actual future path for interest rates. As we've discussed before in our notes, they represent a form of weighted average of potential outcomes when, of course, there can only be one. Markets have reacted to a dovish inflation data point and a pause pause suggestive language from central bankers like Pavlov's salivating dogs. The move in risk assets, especially long-duration assets since Halloween, has been nothing short of spectacular. Cash incinerating Web 2.0 companies like Open Door have even started booking Super Bowl advertising slots. We are so back. And it's seemingly the trashier the stock, the better. Coinbase is up 72%, Block up 62%. Cathy Wood's ARK-K and ARK-W tech ETFs up 38% and 24% respectively. Amazing moves in such a short period of time. Now, as as equities have rallied to new highs for the year, implied volatility, as measured um, by the VIX index, has collapsed to new lows for the year. Implied volatility falling when markets rise is entirely normal. However, why is implied volatility back at sort of Black Friday, Cyber Monday levels of relative cheapness? Well, there are a number of big reasons beyond the simple conclusion that complacency and frankly repeated losses on bearish market bets has caused investors to stop buying downside protection. We wrote back in August in Master of the House and the Sunday Sprinkles, which was also incidentally our first podcast, about how rising rates have driven a major comeback for the structured product's new issue business. Growth in this activity increases the supply of volatility to the market, driving down option prices as measured in terms of implied volatility. This supply of volatility has been augmented by the explosive growth of volatility selling in the fast-growing and much-discussed zero DTE S&P 500 daily options market. Selling short-dated volatility has been a highly successful strategy year-to-date. If you'd sold one day at-the-money puts every day this year, you'd have massed a return of 13%. Now, success inevitably brings in competition and, of course, lower premiums for the sellers of those options. Well, you should know by now the squirrel's view on volatility selling. It seems like a really great idea until the day market gaps down on you and you blow up. Cue that memorable line from Vincent Vega. If you excuse me, i got to go home and have a heart attack. Now we press on that tried and tested cliche about buying fire insurance before your house burns down. Demand for puts only ever increases once the index has already started to correct, at which point investors always end up overpaying for them via higher implied volatilities. Let's not do that, shall we? Risk sentiment has just changed, charged from one side of the boat to the other. CNN's Greed and Fear Index has swum from extreme fear in late October to full-on greed today. To be clear, the squirrel is by no means arguing for an imminent crash in equity markets. I'm not ready to short equity markets outright here, although a pullback does feel a little bit overdue. On the other hand, equity portfolio insurance is a screaming buy at these levels. So let's have a look at the cost of an at-the-money put on the S&P 500, or in this case, the SPY ETF, the most popular ETF that tracks the index. Why an at-the-money put? Again, it comes down to supply and demand. The put writing and structured productivity I just mentioned increases supply at closer to the money strikes. Traditional buyers of crash insurance are still drawn to the convex payoffs of deep out of the money puts, not that this strategy has paid off for them for a long time. Put simply, the prices of these crash-puts have not dropped by as much as the the close-to-the-money alternatives, and we're shopping for bargains here. Now, interest rates can always go back, and implied volatility could indeed carry on careering downwards. However, it feels to this rodent that current pricing levels offer up a decent margin of safety. In the written note this week, I set out a full explanation of how this put option is priced and the impact from Rho and Vega effects, which I don't think will benefit from conversion to audio. Please do look it up at blindsquirrelmacro.com. It's in the free front section of the letter. A bit like teeth flossing and foam rolling, buying portfolio insurance when the markets are screaming higher its a really tough thing to do. The chart of the S&P 500 certainly doesn't look like something you want to pick a fight with right now. It's trending strongly in what is seasonally a strong time of year for equities, Santa Rally season. But a quick caveat. U.S. financial conditions have eased dramatically and in a very short period of time. Remarkably, this easing has been met with very little ver- verbal pushback from the likes of Jay Powell and other central bankers. It's tough not to come to the conclusion that central bankers are not far from verbally intervening to take some of these new rate-cut expectations back out of the market. Alternatively, they've had sight of some economic data to suggest that the cuts might in fact be needed earlier than previously thought. Now, either of those two outcomes would not be friendly for equities. Now, we've mercifully been out of our bearish equity bets since late October, While not calling for an imminent turn in in risk markets, it feels like there is some skittishness about with investors, and that sentiment could easily turn negative as quickly as it turned positive. Meanwhile, protection's on sale. Feels like a smart time to buy it. So that's all for this week on the pod. If you um, fancy another 30 minutes of me chatting with my pal, the macro tourist Kevin Muir, um, we, have a, we record an interesting conversation talking about private equity and dumpster diving in UK mid-caps. Go along to the Market Huddle on your favorite podcast app. There's also a link to the episode in this week's note, um, which also contains the regular portfolio update and Acorn Review for paid subscribers. This week we're covering uranium, bonds, gold and silver, ags, energy, offshore services, private equity of course, the Aussie dollar, the UK mid-caps and my China versus India trade. Please find out more about The Squirrel at blindsquirrelmacro.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Squirrel Macro. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Squirrel out.